Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, it's Dan and welcome to our Wednesday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Mary Kay Cabot, Scott Patsko and I uh, kick off the Browns offseason program with something we want to see or hear as the Browns go through. And then we do a little draft here, a midweek draft of Browns who could get extensions next. So we go through some players. We really dig deep on this one uh, to come up with guys who could get extended next on this Cleveland Browns roster in light of Denzel Ward getting his big money extension. So that's coming up here shortly. Uh, become a Football Insider subscriber. The draft is right around the corner. I mentioned this at the end, too. And you want to be a Football Insider subscriber uh, before the draft. Cleveland.com slash Browns, the blue banner at the top of the page. You get a daily newsletter delivered to your inbox. You get access to exclusive stories on Cleveland.com slash Browns. And you can become one of our text subscribers. So again, Cleveland.com slash Browns, the blue banner at the top of the page. Get info, get signed up. All right, here we go. Our Wednesday Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Here we go on our Wednesday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. We're going to get into some extensions here in a little bit. Uh, Maybe some guys that we think the Browns could extend. Maybe we think they should extend uh, coming up. But first of all, uh, as we're recording this on Tuesday, the Browns officially started their offseason program. Today, we are going to hear from some players and Kevin Stefanski on Wednesday. Uh, Nothing really gets going that we can see until the middle of May. There is a rookie mini camp in there as well. Uh, But a lot of weightlifting, a lot of meetings. They're going to get on the field a little bit towards the end of the month and and the early part of next month. So Mary Kay, as this thing gets started, as we're finally going to hear from some guys, I guess what's one, one thing you're looking forward to here in the near future? Well, you know, aside from the obvious of of Deshaun Watson showing up and everything that that entails, I'm really looking forward to hearing from Amari Cooper and seeing Amari Cooper out on the field. I think uh, he's kind of fallen by the wayside a little bit in all the uh, hullabaloo with uh, Deshaun Watson's trade and all of that. And so I think we've not forgotten about him, but, you know, there really hasn't been the anticipation that there would have been had the Deshaun Watson thing not happened. So he's somebody that I I can't wait to watch once we actually do get to watch some football. Um, But I'm also just looking forward to hearing what he has to say. And and hopefully he'll be one of the players that we get tomorrow. Uh, We will have, as we're taping this on um, Tuesday, uh, we will be out there talking to select players and coach Kevin Stefanski on Wednesday. So I'm hoping Amari Cooper is one of those guys I'm just very anxious to know what he felt like in the immediate aftermath of the trade when Deshaun Watson wasn't here yet, and then how his perception of things may have changed after that happened. 
Yeah. I mean, talk about a guy whose experience is, you know, he gets traded right before free agency starts, knows has to change teams. Now he's got to change quarterbacks. And of course that change to quarterbacks is, is to one of the best in the business. So um, yeah, kind of a, a whirlwind for Amari. And like you said, we haven't gotten a chance to hear from him yet. So um, that, that should be good to, to hear from him. Scott, what about you? Now for the entire off season program, I guess I'm looking forward <laughs> to like uh, not having to think or talk or write about people demanding a trade or somebody coming back from a major injury outside of Jack Conklin. Um, I think when, the, by the time they get to OTAs, I think it'll be kind of a different world in that uh, I think we're anticipating the key players being there and actually being able to participate. Nobody being disgruntled, so to speak. Um, that would be nice, but you know, again, it's, it's, it's the off season program and, there's the whole nod, nod, wink thing about it being voluntary, but I think Dan, you even wrote about it, how important it might be for this team to kind of be here because it's, it just feels, especially in offense, like things are going to change. Um, they couldn't really, you know, two years ago when Stefanski came in and they managed to, <laughs> they managed to install an entire offense and, and do all the things they did that led to all the success that year without really having uh, in-person offseason program. But this year, um, I think it would benefit them to, I mean, your, your quarterback's changing. Um, your quarterback might change twice. So I think it would be a good idea for most people to be there and just whatever drama is on the outside or, or could be, could show up from, again, people being upset or wanting a trade. I don't, that doesn't seem like we're going to be having that. Yeah. And for me, it's just sort of, you know, this, this is kind of what I touched on, kind of what I think you're referencing, Scott. I think it like, I think it does send a little bit of a message that guys show up. You know, I don't know that it's going to win them a Super Bowl or anything like that. I don't think you win Super Bowls in April or May or June, but I do think you can kind of set a tone. And when Deshaun Watson shows up that first day, when Amari Cooper shows up, when some of those really important guys who maybe don't even need to, right? They're financially set, their roles are set. When those guys show up on days like this, I do think it kind of sends a message that like, we understand this isn't going to be easy. We need to put in the work. I do feel like there have been some times, I think about 2019, I even think a little bit about last year, there was, it felt like at times there's a little bit of a sense of entitlement of like, you know, hey, we're just going to show up and things are going to be fine. Um, I, I think sending this message that like they understand that you, you can kind of lay a foundation right now. I do think that matters to an extent. And you, you know what? I think um, Kevin Stefanski has been pretty upfront and vocal about the fact that it was important for guys to show up for the offseason program this year, especially offensively. And this marks the first time that he will have his offensive guys at the offseason program. And think about that. That's kind of a tough road to hoe that you've got to install your offense and be ready to go and hit the ground running basically in training camp at the end of July with that first preseason game bearing down upon you when you haven't had those guys out on the field for you in the offseason program. So he has been vocal about it. Uh, the last time that he was talking about it was at the NFL annual meeting last month uh, in Palm Beach, and he basically uh, acknowledge that, yeah, this, this is important. We need to do this. And other teams emphasize it. I've, I've seen Andrew, um, Andy Reid talk about it. I've seen the Bengals talk about it. So I do think it's important. And I would have to say, 
that, you know, maybe the fact that J.C. Treader isn't here anymore might just have a little something to do with the fact that uh, he is so adamant about guys not showing up for the offseason program. It, it may have hurt him a little bit. Yeah, I think that's a factor. I, I think, you know, that was one of the union fights especially over the last two years. And I do think it was maybe a factor for a lot of the guys on offense. And honestly, look, I know we talk a lot about guys getting together in the off season and working out. And I know they, they did the Baker Mayfield passing camp and all that stuff, but I think it's more effective when it's in Berea, it's with the team, it's with the coaches, you're all together there, like as, as a full group, I feel like sometimes those individual workouts a lot are, are kind of for the gram more than anything. So I think having them in the building, going through meetings, all of that stuff, I, I think it's just a little bit different than, than what we've seen the offense kind of get together and do in, in recent years. All right. Are we set? Are we set on the off season program for now? Well, I was just going to say that, you know, these guys can get together and build a snowman. They can have <laughs> a snowball fight and start to develop the uh, camaraderie that you wouldn't have if you were all spread out all over the country. Yeah. Or in the South. <laughs> right. <laughs> I think that matters. And listen, like the big secret here is it's not that time consuming for these guys. They show up for a few days and then on the weekends, they can fly to wherever they want and hang out. And th that's what a lot of these guys do. So it it's not that time consuming for them to show up. So I, so I do think it's a good thing. Okay. We are going to do a draft today. We're going to talk extensions with Denzel Ward. Uh, in the books uh, with his extension. Miles Garrett has been extended. Uh, Deshaun Watson is locked down. You know, there's plenty of other guys we can go through. There's so many key pieces on this roster who have gotten paid, who have been extended. So I wanted to do a little bit of a, a draft here, a midweek draft. We usually save these for the roundtables, but we're doing one now of guys on the roster who it's a little squishy, but guys who could be extended next, guys who you kind of predict might be on the docket to get extended next. Maybe there's somebody you want to make a case for. Um, we can all kind of take this whatever direction we want, although I kind of have a feeling we have the same number one on our boards um, on these criteria, although Scott might have a guy. I'm eyeing Scott here because I think he we might have a guy pretty high on our board uh, that we might be racing for here. Scott, you do have the number one pick though. So it'll, it'll go Scott, Mary Kay, and then me. And I'm curious, Scott, who do you have here as your number one extension pick? Well, it's really came down to two picks. And at the end of the day, um, and by the way, I was kind of looking more towards guys who might get extended at some point during this coming season by next year, yeah. who either, you know, were facing free agency or would become eligible. Um, after this, after this coming season. So really came down to two guys. And I think I went with my number one guy because I don't think he has as much maybe to prove this season as the other guy, which means they might wait on him. So I'm going to go with Kareem Hunt, number one. Um, I think his worth is uh, recognized. Um, just, you know, we saw how the offense struggled without having his him in there with Nick Chubb or without having him in there besides Nick Chubb um, just gives them another dimension on offense. Obviously he's big in the past game, although I have written multiple times, they should really start throwing to Nick Chubb more. He's the most elusive running back in the league. And if you throw a screen to him, he'll be, he'll do good things with it. But Kareem Hunt was like one of the best in the league um, on screen passes. Obviously we know what he does in short yardage compared to Chubb. Uh, I think it's just, it's a guy, I think you just want to keep that pairing as long as you can. 
So I would not be surprised if he's a guy who gets extended um, before the season, during the season, either way. Okay. Yeah. So this is a little bit of a surprise. I had Hunt on my list. I did not have him number one on my list. I actually didn't even have him in my, my top three on, on my list here. Um, and by the way, these don't have to be like big extensions. We're not talking like guys who are getting hunt. These can be small extensions. And I had Hunt on my list as a guy that I could see getting, you know, like that's similar, similar to what he got last time, you know, just a nice affordable, uh, I think his cap hit was something like six or $7 million. I don't have it right in front of me, but you know, this is a guy that understands the importance of being home. I think he's one of the rare guys that gives you a hometown discount if it means he can stay here longer. Um, so I had Kareem Hunt, who's going into the final year of his contract on my list for a lot of those same reasons. Yeah, this is a good one, Scott. Um, you know, we all, everybody on this podcast that listens to us, we know, you know how we feel about the value of Kareem Hunt, what he brings to the table, uh, just from an intangible standpoint and an on the field standpoint. And um, yeah, it might not have been the, the one I thought you would have gone with first, but definitely uh, this is a good one. I always think that he should be used more. I hope he is used more in this offense. I hope that, um, you know, maybe Deshaun Watson will see something in him. And I think Deshaun will have a, a big influence over who is going to be utilized more in this offense. And I think he's going to see the value in Kareem Hunt and, uh, and that might help him get his extension. I mean, I see Hunt's, I see Hunt's value to the run game and to Nick Chubb in particular, like it's, it's right there with the offensive line, because while the offensive line is obviously opening up holes, Kareem Hunt is, is keeping Chubb fresh. And that's why he was such a monster in the fourth quarters, um, especially in 2020. So that's, I mean, I don't think you can downplay that at all. And they're such different runners too. I think Kareem is, you know, they're both obviously very good runners, but Kareem is a little more of a bully. You know, Chubb can be physical. We've seen the stiff arms and we've seen the, you know, but Chubb is so elusive and I think Hunt's just going to run people over. And, and that's, that's part of why he's maybe a little more successful down near the goal line, whereas Chubb sometimes isn't. It's sort of the Derrick Henry thing too. Henry sometimes struggles in those situations, but um, yeah. Okay. So Kareem Hunt, number one on my list, not a bad choice. Mary Kay, you are up. You know, I am going to go with um, David Njoku at number two. Um, David, has been franchised at about $11 million and he's been really now installed as the number one tight end. So one year left on his contract, uh, as of right now, they have until July to extend him under terms of the franchise tag. So I think he's someone, uh, that probably is in line for, um, you know, for the next extension or one coming up pretty quickly. And they have been talking long-term extension for a long time. I mean, I remember asking him back in November if he was talking extension with the Browns and he said, yes. Um, so that's something that's kind of underway. And now that Denzel is done, I wouldn't be surprised if this gets happen if this happens fairly soon. Yeah. I had, him sec- or I had him third on my list. Um, and partly I had him below hunt because I felt like it just seems like they're going to want to see how he, does at least during the early part of the season as the guy. Um, I I imagine they're going to do less three tight end looks. It's going to be more two tight end looks with, with Njoku being like the main receiving threat. Um, I just, I I don't, it just feels like they want to see something from him before they go ahead and say, okay, all right, you're our guy going forward for X number of years. 
Yeah, I, I had him number one on my list just because of the franchise tag and the feeling like, okay, this is sort of on their list of things to do. Uh, but the fact that it did kind of reach the point where they had to franchise him does tell you there's probably some disconnect there as to how much he wants and how much they want to give him. And, and they just haven't been able to meet at that point yet. Um, so, so you might be right, Scott, maybe they want to kind of see what he can do for them. And then, you know, you circle back next year after he plays on the franchise tag, a, a little bit of risk there, but um, they could always franchise him again if they needed to. So yeah, I, I am top of my list just because I feel like in that order of operations, this is something that feels like it probably gets done by that deadline, but there's probably still some sort of disconnect there that, that has sort of prevented it. All right. So now I've got to go. I, I really want to take a guy that I've got on my list. And I, I still feel like Scott is out there eyeballing him, but I think I'm going to take this guy because I think it's an interesting discussion. Jack Conklin. So coming off the injury, uh, going into the final year of his deal, they just redid his contract recently. And I feel like, this is a guy that in 2020 we were talking about, and I think Doug even made the case that he was the best offensive lineman on the team when it was the best unit, the best offensive line in football. You know, you paid him to come in and stabilize that right tackle position. And I don't know who's behind him right now. I mean, are you just going to let him walk and hand things to James Hudson? Sort of like you're like, you might be doing with Nick Harris here. Maybe, maybe that's the scenario. Maybe they really like what James Hudson could do there. Uh, after Conklin's gone. I, I feel like if Conklin comes back and he's healthy and he plays at the level he can play, I could see sitting down and doing a two or three year deal with him and, and trying to keep him around at a pretty reasonable number, because I think he's still a really good player when he's healthy. Yeah. Jack Conklin's a good one. Uh, Jack has got to stay healthy. That's the whole key for Jack right now. Um, obviously they redid his deal coming off of the torn patella tendon heading into this season. Uh, they signed him to um, an $8 million base salary for 2022. And then he has incentives uh, that enable him uh, to make most of that money back up again, $4 million in incentives uh, based on his playing time. So um, if he's able to achieve that, then I think once they get midway through the season, it might be time to start thinking about going ahead and extending him because the right tackle these days is just as important as the left tackle. And I think they found that out uh, last year when they didn't have him. And also when you have that kind of an investment in your quarterback, uh, it behooves you to protect him. So I think he's a really good one. Uh, and really it's just a matter of whether or not he can stay healthy or is his body starting to break down on him. Yeah. I had him number two on my list and again, it was, it's similar to Njoku in that I felt that they want to see if he, if he can get back to, you know, whatever level he can get back to and then kind of determine what they want to do with his future. Um, like I said, I didn't think Hunt really needed to necessarily do that. So um, I think he's kind of in the same boat as Njoku where I think they just want to, they want to see him for a while and see what, if, if, if they go in the right direction, then, you know, then they move on that. But, uh, but yeah, that, I mean, if they can keep this line together again, I know they lost Treader, but um, if you're keeping, you know, the four guys on each outside, that's, and that's huge. Yeah. I mean, you've got Wills under team control, you know, on that rookie deal for a little while longer, you've just locked up Joel and Wyatt. Um, Nick Harris isn't costing you anything. He was a fifth round pick. 
Um, and, and he's likely your starting center, or even if he's not even, even if it's postage, I mean, that's a guy that's not costing you a lot of money either. So I think there's a lot of flexibility there. If you wanted to kind of lock down that right tackle position with the rest of the line. And like you said, Scott, try and keep this unit together as best as you can. All right, let's go on to round two then. Scott, you're up. I'm really debating whether or not to throw a hand grenade into this thing and just throw it off the rails. Uh, Cause there's a guy that I want to say that uh, definitely probably shouldn't be this high, but nobody's, I'm, I'm going to do it. Screw it. I'm going to say Charlie Hewlett. I'm throwing this out there. Charlie Hewlett, people forget, he signed a massive deal for a long snapper, you know, back in 2017, six-year deal. I, it might've made him the highest paid long snapper at the time. His, his contract is up at the end of this season. Um, it, maybe it'll come down to whether or not he wants to retire. I mean, he's going to be 32. Um but that's a position you don't want to think about unless you absolutely have to. And like if news came out uh, sometime in training camp that they extended Charlie Hewlett for another three years or something, I, it would make all the sense in the world to me. I mean, there's other guys on here, obviously, who play more and uh, will, will command more money. Um, but, you know, it's similar to kicker and punter. You don't want to have to worry about it. You want a guy who has that job. You don't, have to, you know, he when's the last time you saw a bad snap at a Browns game? It's, you know, it's been forever. So um, I'm going with Charlie Hewlett. I'm going to show a little love to the long snapper. It's time. He needs to uh, be extended for a few more years. So you just, you got that locked down. So I, I was going through players and putting together my, my kind of board here. And I real I saw that Charlie Hewlett was a free agent after this season. And I thought, Oh, Scott's definitely going to take him at some point. Oh yeah. I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure what to do. I actually had him. I went off my board when I took Conklin because I actually had Charlie Hewlett number two. Cause you, you know, it's an, I'm rubbing off on you. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a no brainer. He's been good. It's not like you got to pay him $10 million a year. I'm sure Charlie would take 10 million a year, but you don't have to pay him $10 million a year. I, you know, of course you lock him up. It's, it's one less thing to have to think about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when he goes into his negotiations, all he has to do is take a picture of, gosh, who was it who sent the snap over the punter's head against the Eagles in the home opener? Who would they have it? It was the uh, it was it was a shotgun snap. Cam Irving. He yeah, I think that's what it was. Well. It's like once you start throwing other dudes in there, it's just, <laughs> forget it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, a case can be made. The truth of the matter here is the Browns don't have that many sort of big name guys that still need to be extended. They have taken care of most of them uh, over the the past two years with the biggest one, obviously this week being Denzel Ward, which is what inspired this pod. But uh, you know, they've taken care of most of their guys. They've, they've done the Nick Chubbs and the Miles Garrett's and the, uh, and the two guards, the Wyatt's and the Joel's. And uh, so they, they don't have a ton of guys left. So a case can definitely be made here for Charlie Hewitt. By the way, you know what Charlie Hewlett's goal every year is? What he wants to accomplish? He wants to lead long snappers in tackles every year. <laughs> so we're in, but we're talking like three or four tackles. Like long snappers do not get a lot of tackles because you know everybody else beats them down the field. So that's his goal is to like get three or four tackles in a season. There, there was a, a training camp practice once where Chris Tabor spoke after practice and. I needed to grab him. I was actually doing something, not on Charlie Hulo specifically, but I, it was a story I never wrote about 
long snapping, I think. And I asked him about Charlie Hewlett. And so after this 15 minute press conference, he spent like another 15 to 20 minutes just standing there with me talking about Charlie Hewlett and (laughs) how he like hones his craft. It was, it was something. Well, you know, special teams coordinators absolutely love to talk (laughs) special teams and long snappers and everything else kicking games. So not surprising. Shout out to Tapes, who was, I think, what, he was like the interim coach in Chicago, or he filled in as coach mm-hmm. in Chicago last year when uh, when Matt Nagy had COVID, something like that. Anyway, mm-hmm. shout out to Tapes. All right, Mary mm-hmm. Kay, you're up. Well, as I mentioned before, there are not a lot of big name guys left uh, that deserve to be extended. So we are, uh, you know, down into the uh, Charlie Hewitt sort of uh, category. <laughs> um, but uh, I have someone here that I think, you know, might be, you know, along those same lines, maybe even just a notch higher than that. And, uh, and that is Sione Taki Taki. And the, the next guy on my list. Good job. See, Scott, see, Scott's proud of me. Thank you, Scott. Um, Sione Taki Taki, as Scott has pointed out, I mean, he just, he's, he's a solid linebacker. He goes out, he does his job. Uh, he's a very, very good run defender. And he's still hanging around, right? I mean, Mac Wilson's gone, but Sione Takitaki is still here doing his job, getting reps, and actually getting better, I think, as the years go by. And he seems to have found, you know, a nice role for himself in Joe Wood's defense. And who knows, maybe he'll even play more this year. But he's heading into the final year of his contract. I think he's worth keeping around. And he's somebody that I would go ahead and throw a couple more years on there. Yeah, he's, I mean, that position, uh, isn't a position that's going to be on the field as much because more teams are going to the nickel look. And when you do that, he's the spot you're taking off the field. Um, But when he is out there, he's done really well against the run. Um, He's been one of the highest graded uh, linebackers on the team for a couple of years now. And also he's gotten much better in coverage. Like he's, he's been one of the top graded uh, for PFF uh, linebackers in coverage period in the league. So, um, you know, I think I said before, like his spot is one that is going to be targeted when a team wants to get that guy on the field. And then they want to put him in a position to having to cover somebody. That's a, that's a perceived win for the offense, but he's done well. Um, we've seen him uh, get a couple of interceptions over the past uh, couple of seasons. Um, so yeah, he's kind of blossomed into this niche role that isn't as big as it used to be in the NFL, but I think it's worth paying for. And once you find a guy that is consistent in that role, then you want to keep them. I looked at him. I ended up not putting him on, on the board that I'm kind of working off here, but, but we are kind of in that range. And I'm curious, one of the names that I might pick here, if like you had to choose between the two, what you would do. Um, But I, I guess my only question would be, you know, if he is a guy that isn't going to be on the field as much, do the Browns view that as more of an interchangeable position could they draft someone in like the fourth or fifth round this year that they kind of see as, okay, when Taki Taki has gone, this is the guy we're going to put out there. Um, I, 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 I would be curious about that, but yeah, he certainly has, has earned his way into this discussion when, you know, a few years ago, it was kind of like, eh, I don't know if either of these linebackers are going to stick here. And now we've kind of seen that he's, he's kind of the survivor of those two. Okay. <sighs> there's, there's a guy I really like here, but I'm, I'm actually going to go with someone who knows we might get to talk to on Wednesday. I'm going to go with Chase Winovich. This is his last year. 
They traded that other linebacker, Mac Wilson, for him. I think they probably see some value in him a little bit, um, a, a little bit Tack McKinley like, you know, maybe a guy that was undervalued where he was, but he has had five and a half sacks twice. Um, I think he, if he ends up in that McKinley role, he could really thrive. I think they clearly want to do something interesting with him as, as sort of that hybrid edge rusher. Uh, he's only 27. He just turned 27 today, actually, as we're recording this on Tuesday. So happy birthday to Chase. I'm giving you an extension. I think <laughs> that 2019-2020 production kicks in. You, you could go another two years with him, maybe. Nothing expensive, but just a nice little nice little extension to keep him around for a while. Yeah, I, I like that, Dan. I mean, the thing about Chase is that the Browns just have to hope that they can kind of bring out the best in him in the same way they did in Taft McKinley. And this, um, this defense lends itself to that. It really gives these guys an opportunity to just rush the passer. And so I think that he might be a guy that can go out there in this defense and get those five and a half sacks that you need him to get. And if he does turn out to be that, and he's a little bit rejuvenated, uh, then for sure, 100%, I think that he is uh, worth keeping around for a couple more years. I think we're firmly in the, the group of guys who would get an extension after the season that they want to see what they're going to do. Like, I would not be surprised if like midway or half towards the end of the season of Taki Taki, we found out that he got an extension um, just because he's playing well. And you, you stack that on top of, again, the last couple of years but with Winovich, obviously they want to see how he performs uh, in this defense and, you know, we don't really know exactly what his role will be yet. Um, but yeah, I think it makes a lot of sense, especially like you said, if he does duplicate that or come even come close to that 2020 season. Um, but then again, I mean, this is Andrew Barry and this is the defensive line and you didn't hand out a lot of long-term contracts <laughs> to defensive linemen outside of miles Garrett. So maybe, maybe Winovich is just here for a, a one year sabbatical and then someone else will be in that spot. 47 pressures in 2020. I, I think if he has a year like that, and, and this team really loves that, you know, they look, but Belichick does too. And he ended up trading the guy. This team really values pressures um, and, and what that can do. So uh, if, if he has another year like that, where he's in the top 25, top 30 in the league in pressures, I, I think that that could merit another year or two here in Cleveland for the guy. Um, and you know what? I would have been curious to see what they would have done with Tack. Right. I mean, Mary Kay, it's a, it's, it's a reality that had tech not ruptured his Achilles that he could have gotten, maybe it would have just been another one year deal, but he could have gotten another contract here. Absolutely. I think he would have, they really liked him a lot. And uh, I think he was destined to stick around for at least another year, maybe get a, a two-year contract or something like that. But uh, he was doing exactly what they wanted him to do. He was fitting into the program and uh, they had liked him for a long time. So absolutely, he was slated uh, to be around longer. All right. Uh, I've got two people left on my board. So that's not, I don't know if you guys have that as well, but let's, let's just see. Scott, who would you have here at number seven? Let's yeah. see how far we can I got. Go. I wrote down a lot of options here. I, don't... <laughs> I think, yeah. I think we're good with like one more round here at most, but yeah, like, yeah. there's one guy that I definitely want to talk about, but if Mary Kay doesn't take him, I will. All right. I'm going to say, and this is the next, we've, we've done, uh, Wait, who did you take? 
I took Chase Winovich. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's the only guy I did. That's the only guy I did not have uh, written down here. I wasn't thinking. I just, it, it just skipped by mine. But uh, my top five guys have all been taken. And number six, I'll, I'll just go with him. I'm going to say Greedy Williams, there. but I'm going to put a big asterisk here because I'm really wondering if maybe it would be more value to the Browns to try to trade him because you look at Greedy Williams and the, the season he had, that's exciting. And it seems like the kind of guy you'd want to keep around. And I know you can never have too many cornerbacks, but he could obviously be starting for somebody. Um, and maybe that quote unquote backup or third guy, um, maybe they like uh, a Terrence Mitchell type person more than they like Greedy Williams and that maybe an older person who uh, isn't ultimately going to be getting that extension from them. So I, I could see them wanting to keep him around. It makes a lot of sense, especially, I mean, I know Denzel Ward was on the field a lot last year, but we know his history. Um, you do have Greg Newsom that you just drafted. So I'm not sure like long-term, where does Greedy Williams fit here? And is he cool with being a guy who, isn't getting as many snaps. So I, I don't know. I just, I just think about like a team wanting to give up a decent asset for him, especially if he, if he looks uh, good this season, you know, then what do you do? I think it's maybe more value to them as a trade option than, than keeping him here. Well, I will say that greedy was the last guy that I had on my list here. Um, so I was kind of hoping Scott would take someone else, but I can't even think of who that <laughs> would have been. Don't um, say DPJ. Don't say DPJ. That's all <laughs> I kept telling might, myself. It might've reached the end of the line. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so yeah, I would go ahead and I, I actually would extend greedy. I think greedy, uh, you know, he, he's paid his dues. He, he last year, he played through a lot of pain. He got through another very difficult, challenging season with that shoulder, re-injured it a couple of times. Uh, but I think he really established that, that he can play in this league and uh, he's one of their own, their own draft pick. And uh, so I would go ahead. I mean, you, once again, you can never have enough good corners. And if he starts to, to really get a little bit healthier with that shoulder, then I think he'll be even better. So I would go ahead and extend greedy. So, so I have no concept of like what a third corner would cost, like what teams are paying their third corners around the league. Yeah. But I had him on my list too, just because I feel like, you know, Grady's not going to be like a $20 million a year corner. You know, he's not going to be that guy this year. So it feels like you could bring him back at a reasonable price again, have stability at that position. And I think with the flexibility that Greg Newsom has, you could have a situation where him and Denzel are playing 99 or hundred percent of the snaps and you could still find some space for greedy Williams to get on the field for you. He'd add depth. And like you said, Mary Kay, he is one of your own. He's a homegrown guy, you know, draft and develop. You stuck by him with the shoulder injury. Um, he came back, you, you worked with him and developed him last year. I, I certainly wouldn't be opposed to keeping greedy around on another reasonable, on a reasonable, let's say, three-year deal that's really a two-year deal you know sometimes again I don't know what that what that cost would be I don't know if six million a year is too low for a third corner I don't know what he would get on the open market but I, I think there's a deal to be made there with greedy that's not going to strap you financially and it's going to at least again give you it's sort of like the Charlie Hewlett thing right like you've got it now you don't have to worry about it well if you trust greedy as your third corner pay him a little bit of money and now that's done that's taken care of you don't have to worry about it now 
Yeah. yeah he, Not, he, he, he played 52% of the snaps last year um, behind Denzel and, and Greg Newsom. But I'm just wondering how, how high that would have been if Newsom hadn't only played 12 games and if Troy Hill hadn't only played 12 games. Um, so in an ideal situation, how much are you getting Greedy Williams on the field and what's that worth? So that's, that's why I think maybe, maybe they're really going to consider, uh, you know, what they could get if they moved, if they moved him. Yeah. But you know what, though, I do think there are, you know, Denzel was healthy last year, obviously, I think he played what 15 games and yeah. one of the games he missed was the last game of the season. Um, so he was healthy last year, but there is a history there of him missing some time, you know, Greg missed time last year. And I, believe he missed a little bit of time in college you know neither of those guys are like the biggest guys in the league so there's a chance that there's always a chance that those guys might miss a little time here and there so to have a guy that you know you can put out there to start for a game or two i, I do think is valuable and again it might depend on the draft mm-hmm. maybe they end up right. with a guy they really like to be that next kind of third corner and so they let greedy go get paid someplace else and they hand things over to to someone else so mary Kay, you didn't have anybody else on your list i only had one other guy on my list and that was, and this is basically a, like, is there any shot that this happens? And that's Jedrick Wills. Is there, is there a universe where Jed Wills comes out in year three, plays amazing football at left tackle, and the Browns say, all right, let's give him that contract? Or is this a situation where it's like, ah, yeah, you played great. Let's go another year here. There's, there's no rush because he's under contract, obviously, for that fourth year and then the fifth year option after this season. Yeah, I just don't see it. I, I don't see it. I mean, he still has to prove himself. Uh, he's coming off of a very challenged year because of his ankle injury. And um, they're starting to head into some of those bigger contracts. You know, Deshaun starting next year uh, is going to count 50 some million against the cap. Uh, Amari, 20 million against the cap. Miles Garrett is into his big money. So, um, so I don't see it happening. Uh, I think it's one of those situations where they're going to let it go and see how he plays in his fourth season and then determine, uh, probably go ahead and pick up that fifth year option and then figure out what to do after that. And he might want to give himself every opportunity to, to make, I mean, he's playing a left tackle. He's a first round pick playing left tackle in the NFL. He wants to, he doesn't want to just take a mid range uh, extension. He, he wants big money. Uh, and he wants to get to a point where he can get that big money. And I think playing uh, uh, another season or two, obviously uh, could help him tremendously in that. All right. So uh, there we go. Our, uh, our draft of extension eligible players here. Um, by, by the, I'm sorry, by the way, uh, we picked everybody, like we did not skip anybody except Chase Winovich, um, <laughs> but we got the top seven guys on my list. The, the bottom three that I had that I just wrote down, Grant Delpit, who will be eligible after the season, but he basically just had a rookie year DPJ. Um, and then Harrison Bryant, obviously they're all eligible for the same reason. Um, any of those guys, could you see getting an extension after the season? I don't think so. Delpit, I have written down. He wasn't a guy I was going to pick, but he is a guy I kind of wrote down as I was just putting down some names, but I just think it's like, because you know, he missed his rookie year Was kind of a part-time player last year. We'll see him get more opportunity this year, but I don't know that it's going to be like, all right, extend him now. I, you've still got a little wiggle room there with him. Although he was a second round pick. So it's only that four-year deal. Yeah. I mean, I think he's, 
trending in the right direction. And I think he's going to be a really good player. And I think it's remarkable, remarkable to be able to come back from a ruptured Achilles. So hard to do. Um, so good for him for that. But I don't think it's something where they will jump to extend him. I think he's got to come up that learning curve a little bit more. Out of those three guys, though, I think he's by far the one that we could, by the end of the season, say, oh, yeah, they definitely got to they definitely got to talk extension with this guy. Mm-hmm. The, I did have a wild card, and that was Nick Harris. Mm. Like, like if he's your starting center all year and he's really good, do you reward him a little and maybe get ahead of the curve on him a little bit too? I mean, he's going to be so cheap because he was a fifth round pick. Um, Do do you maybe kind of reward him if he comes in and plays well and shows like, Hey, I'm, I'm your center for the next 10 years. Yeah. I mean, you know, if he's good and they really liked what he did in that green Bay game, they liked it a lot. Uh, If he lives up to expectations, and proves that he is their starting center of the future, then absolutely a strong case can be made for him. We're talking about centers of the future. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what, we the off season. that's what we talk about on April 19th and April 20th mm-hmm. on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. The next time you hear from us, though, we'll have heard from some players and from Kevin Stefanski. So we'll have some things to talk about. Andrew Barry is talking on Friday as well. And uh, coming out of the weekend, we're going to have our we're going to make our case for who we think the Browns should take uh, number 44, maybe even number 78. Um, So start doing your homework on that, guys, because it is time. The draft is coming. We can't avoid it any longer. We are almost we're about, what, nine days away as we record this eight days away when most people listen. So uh, it is it is right there on top of us. All right. That'll do it for this edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Make sure you're a football insider subscriber. Cleveland.com slash Browns, the blue banner at the top of the page to get info and get signed up for Scott and Mary Cam. Dan, thanks for listening, everybody.